Listener Production. Hello and welcome to The Briefing. Katrina Blowers here with you with Sasha Barbagat. And Sasha, do you remember this theme song? Of course I do. It's the soundtrack to my childhood and to uh, all my terrifying nightmares as a kid as well. (laughs) I think I'm going to have that song in my brain for the whole day now. (laughs) (laughs) So Round the Twist didn't have a huge cultural impact just for us, but for anyone growing up in the 90s, so much so that it's been resurrected on Netflix. It's coming back next year as a musical, which is pretty exciting. Um, And there's actually just been some research done on how important kids' TV shows are for providing us with comfort during troubled times. A lot of us went back to watching clips of the shows we grew up with during the pandemic, and now... A lot of these shows are even having a moment on TikTok because as this study reveals, sharing these core memories is like sharing generation-defining values. So this kind of idea that whole generations are bonded because of the shows they watch, that you can find a connection with anyone from your generation. Why we are re-watching Aussie Kids TV shows. That is our briefing topic today. But first, let's kick off with the headlines. It is Thursday, December 21. Hamas and Israel envoys are reportedly in Egypt discussing the terms of a new truce. A source briefed on the negotiations says the leader of Hamas, Ismail Haniyeh, has made the trip to Egypt for the talks in a rare personal intervention in the conflict. He usually resides in Qatar. Representatives are discussing which hostages from both sides could be released, Katrina, with Israel pushing for all women and infirm men to be the priority, while Palestinian prisoners who have committed serious crimes could be allowed to walk free. So I guess importantly, this truce would also allow for critical aid supplies to get into Gaza. Uh, The White House has confirmed, quote unquote, very serious discussions are underway. Let's hope those discussions pan out. Yeah. And look, meantime, this other story caught my eye this morning uh, to do with TikTok. So moderators at the platform say they're actually having trouble assessing content that's coming out of the war. So people filming things in the streets and just uploading it to their page on TikTok. Uh, And that's because they can't flag content that isn't in their language. So there used to be this button for moderators that they could click when they were reviewing stuff coming through on TikTok. And it would say foreign language or this isn't in my language. So basically pushing it to someone who could understand the content and therefore could moderate it effectively. But TikTok has confirmed they actually removed that feature a few months ago internally. So, you know, one of those issues that we're facing with this conflict, for those of us who are outside of it, is not being able to necessarily trust everything that's coming out of there and really having to put a critical eye on everything we're viewing and watching. Donald Trump has reacted in all caps. So, you know, you've got to imagine that he's double tapped the caps lock button when we're thinking about what he's just said on his social media platform, Truth Social, overnight. Uh, He's written 
what a shame for our country and then um, a triple exclamation mark in his post. So this all comes after the US state of Colorado disqualified him from running for president in the state. Uh, in another post, he suggested the US was becoming a banana republic and claimed every case he's facing is the work of the Department of Justice and the White House. Uh, he also posted several clips from Fox News of commentators disagreeing with the Colorado ruling. So the Colorado court has ruled to disqualify Trump 4-3 earlier this week under the 14th Amendment's insurrection clause. They said that Trump engaged in insurrection over the January 6th Capitol riots by inflaming his supporters with false claims of election fraud. So, you know, that might sound like that is an impediment towards him running for president if, you know, the whole state of Colorado isn't allowed to, to vote for him. But the Trump campaign's already indicated that it plans to appeal the ruling to the Supreme Court. Worth remembering, the Supreme Court has a 6-3 conservative majority, and that includes three justices nominated by Donald Trump himself. Mm. The Colorado Supreme Court has also put its ruling on hold until January 4th. So that means Trump can first seek review from the US Supreme Court. And if he does, the former president's name automatically remains on the ballot until the justices resolve the appeal. Now, the question has been, you know, is this the beginning of the end uh, for Donald Trump's ambitions to become US president again? This ruling doesn't necessarily mean that, but it could see other states fall and follow the same lead as Colorado. So a really interesting development uh, ahead of the presidential election in 2024 in the US, Katrina. Anthony Albanese will travel to far north Queensland today with the state's premier to assess the damage and meet locals affected by recent flooding. The situation remains serious in the region, even as floodwaters subside. A number of communities remain cut off, including Port Douglas, with supermarket shelves going bare as supplies start to run low. Federal disaster recovery payments for people affected became available yesterday. Now, speaking of the PM, the government has published expense data for politicians for the first full quarter of the Albanese government. The numbers have been delayed following technical issues and reflect expenses like international travel, office consumables, telecommunications and comcars. Anthony Albanese, the opposition leader Peter Dutton and frontbencher Tony Burke were the top three biggest spenders, according to the data. Also, you know, if you're going to talk about poly expenses, I don't think anyone will ever top Bronwyn Bishop when she was federal <laughs> speaker. Uh, do you remember she was singled out with this data for spending $5,000 on a helicopter flight and this mm -hmm. helicopter flight took her 80 kilometres from Melbourne to Geelong to a golf course for a Liberal Party function. Hilarious, not great, but mostly <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you're right. Look, it's important, I think, that we there's transparency around these numbers. But yeah, it's not necessarily something awful, you know, but I love seeing what the pollies spend, uh, spend their expenses on, i.e. Bronwyn yeah. Bishop. Great to see. And Christmas is associated with lots of things, seeing family, eating lots and lots of food, getting lots of presents. But did you know the holidays are also associated with a significant increased risk of penile fractures? Yes, that's right. And for those who don't know, the fracture often makes an 
audible crack, trigger warning, followed by severe pain, rapid loss of erection and severe swelling and bruising and is usually the result of forceful bending during over-enthusiastic sex. Katrina, we were laughing about this study. Um, Not a laughing matter for anyone who's affected by it, but, uh, you know, one of those stories that comes out and you just go, oh, okay, no worries. So it is based off data out of Germany. Almost 3,500 men sustained penile fractures in Germany between 2005 and 2021. Ouch. One of the things we were laughing at, let's be let's be real, we weren't laughing at poor men who suffer from this because my gosh, the the imagery or the the yeah, what what yeah. comes to mind when you hear audible crack, it's not great, but it's more that researchers suspected that quote, euphoria and intimacy of the season may be behind this spike in cases. Look, they also talked about other Christmas injuries, which, you know, can be pretty full on, such as injury from popping champagne corks, injury from kids swallowing baubles uh, and Santa injuries from kids falling off Santa's knee, which apparently is a thing. But the thing with champagne corks, um, my stepmom broke her foot because my dad popped a champagne cork last Christmas and she we didn't see where it went and it went right near her and she ended up taking a step to the side and this was after, you know, we'd already had a <laughs> bottle of champagne and she stepped on the champagne cork and slipped over and broke her foot on Christmas Day. So it is a thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I always have a little bit of hesitation when opening champagne bottles. And, you know, like you said, if you've been a bit merry already and you're going off with a champagne cork, um, those things can be really, really dangerous. All right, Sasha. Well, fortunately, we are going to a much more lighthearted topic now. It is the nostalgia around kids' TV shows and why we're re-watching them. Okay, so I'm going to say the names of some kids' TV shows maybe you haven't thought about in a while. Ship to Shore, The Genie from Down Under, and here's a big one, Round the Twist. (laughs) If thinking about these shows makes you smile, we're about to hear the research behind why. A new study led by Dr Joanna McIntyre from the Swinburne Uni of Technology has found that children's television is like drinking a big cup of comfort in troubled times. And it's even looked into why shows from the 90s more than any other era are having a huge comeback moment on social media. Joanna, thanks so much for joining us on The Briefing. What is going on with this wave of nostalgia? Well, I think there are a few things. Our look at nostalgia focus, particularly on children's television, And the emotions that it evoked were so interesting and fascinating and so beautiful in so many ways. One of our, well, I think one of our really interesting findings was the comfort that returning to kids shows from from your childhood can give people. And certainly that came through upon reflections around the pandemic that people, you know, logged, not just locked in their houses and therefore watching shows, they actually went back to what was comfortable and familiar and nostalgic and it brought people a lot of sort of restorative joy and, and comfort. So I think there is, there's that part of the nostalgia trend as well, that it's something really warming and lovely that we can hold on to in troubled times. But not even just troubled times, we also found that returning to these shows made people want to share them with others as well, to show others 
something of themselves, which was really quite nice as well. So people were showing their own children for sure. That was a big thing. And but also even younger family members, sort of nieces and nephews who they didn't grow up with or younger friends of different generations. So there was this sense that you could reveal something of yourself to people through showing them what shows you loved as a child. It's really funny. I was asking Tom Tilly earlier what his favourite kids' TV show was, and he mentioned this show called, um, I think it's called My Secret Valley. <laughs> and it's so funny because neither of us, I watched that show too, and neither of us had thought about it in years. And I felt like this connection to him because I'm like, oh my gosh, you watched that too. <laughs> it's funny how it bonds you to people. That's, that's very sweet. And yet the bonding element was huge. So this kind of idea that whole generations are bonded because of the shows they watch, that you can find a connection with anyone from your generation if you do have those conversations around what shows you loved and, and um, how much you loved them. And also things like um, bonding between siblings and so siblings sharing favourite quotes or theme songs from shows from their childhood too is really beautiful. Interestingly as well, particularly with Australian shows, a lot of people with loved ones who didn't grow up in Australia, they would show them shows from their childhood that were Australian in particular to sort of show off something about being Australian as well. Often these were sort of the weirder shows as well, so I'm not sure what that says about us, (laughs) but we certainly love uh, wacky, kind of eccentric, quirky kids shows as Australians and so showing people from overseas weird Aussie kids shows is actually has become this kind of rite of passage <laughs> for a lot of people. That's the thing. I mean, what sometimes we grow up and love to watch here, and I'm, I'm thinking of a recent example of Bluey and how they've remade Bluey for the US market and, and Australians watching that are like, oh, this is weird. Sometimes it just doesn't land that cultural translation. What what are some of the key ingredients of Australian TV that makes it different to overseas content? Well, we did find in our study that there is a particular formula to Australian TV, and and I really love this that it that the most memorable, the most beloved Australian kids shows they have a combination of really down to earth, relatable, authentic. Australian representations, uh, so local accents, local people, local places, but they have that in combination with really sort of bizarre, quirky, eccentric elements as well. So it's not just full fantasy or, or weirdness and it's not just full sort of kitchen sink realism. It's this combination of what's relatable plus something wacky and something quirky as well and that having that edge. And there was a sense that Aussie kids TV is now a bit more sanitised than it used to be, or that any kids TV is a bit more sanitised than it used to be. People are also distinguishing even in contemporary content, in relation to contemporary content, that Aussie shows are much more sort of down to earth and a bit more gritty and a bit more imaginative than what this kind of sanitised stuff that comes in from overseas. And I think the Bluey example really just highlights that, that we have poo and bum jokes that are fine in Australia or cheeky extra elements or also even that kind of that second layer of discourse that's a wink and a nod at the parents. Mm. One of the things that were changed in Bluey when it went over um, to the US, one of the things Disney took out 
was a discussion that two of the dads were having about a vasectomy. Mm. And, of course, they didn't say vasectomy, but it was clear that's what they were talking about, but it got changed to a dentist visit when it went over to the US. So even that kind of irreverence, you know, that, that kind of anti-authoritarian Aussie irreverence comes through even in even in our kids' shows, I think. People I have identified as, as really important about Aussie kids' shows that they don't talk down to kids, that they talk to kids. It's very sweet, really, and says something nice about our culture, I think. Yeah, definitely. So looking at that top 10 favourite Aussie kids' shows that you've pulled together, what really struck me on there was how many shows featured from the 90s. So there's, you know, Round the Twist, there's um, Blinky Bill, The Ferals, Lift Off, Ship to Shore. My gosh, I hadn't thought about that show for years. So what was it about the 90s in particular that you think made it a magical time for kids' TV? So statistically speaking, there were slightly more people who took the survey that were children in the 90s, slightly more. So that would account for some of it, but certainly not all of it. And further investigation has revealed that it really has a lot to do with the fact that there was an abundance of really good quality Australian kids TV being produced at the time. So it was this kind of perfect convergence of Government regulation, technology, economics, all coming together to mean that there was a really vibrant industry around producing good quality kids TV and it stood the test of time. And then, of course, these shows are all the, you know, they're the ones that are that are quirky plus relatable as well. So these memorable shows, really good quality shows centred in the 90s. What I love now is, you know, the emergence of um, social platforms like TikTok is giving these shows, these clips um, from the 90s, a new lease of life. Do you reckon that some of those 90s values and production elements could even inform kids' TV into the future? Oh, I hope so. (laughs) Maybe in bite-sized pieces, in TikTok-sized pieces. I think that absolutely we could well and can and hopefully do reinvoke those kind of I mean are we talking yeah values I guess and those those elements of Aussie kids TV I think that that's will that is what will make it stand out going forward because also now hopefully we continue to make good Aussie kids TV with the government support but there's a global market because as soon as you get something on one of the streamers, it can, it can if the planet's alive, it can go around the globe and become really, really, really popular. Like the reboot of Heartbreak High was popular around the world on Netflix. It was in the top 10 of Netflix around the world on the weekend that it came out. And so I think there is room for, for things to be really Aussie and look Aussie and sound Aussie and they can say things like Dunny and have that kind of really down-to-earth sensibility, but also be really appealing you know, more broadly too. Well, we're going to have to see what happens with Round the Twist. I mean, it's um, it's on Netflix now, the old version, and it's going to be a musical next year. I know. I'm so excited. I can't imagine anything better. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure how they're actually going to play that out, but I think it will be amazing. Well, Joanna, this has been such a fun, fun trip down memory lane and talking to you about all of this. Um, Thank you so much for doing the research and coming on the briefing to tell us all about it. Thanks so much for having me. 
And that was Joanna McIntyre from Swinburne University of Technology. And we were discussing why this particular report has received so many hits. Um, and we think it's because the news cycle has been super heavy lately. And this just offers that beautiful sense of nostalgia and sense of balance in what's been for many people some terrible times. It's been great for the report and great for the research. So, you know, maybe some Christmas viewing might be in order.